Welcome back to the Remote Life. My name is Han Talbot, also known as Han Mixed World, and today we'll be chatting with Hallie Wiseman. Working remotely from Spokane Valley, Washington, Hallie is manager of community at Remote and co-founder of the Everyday Company. In this episode, we talk about the importance of community as a digital nomad and remote worker, things that aren't talked about as much about life as a digital nomad, and some communication advice for companies looking to take their first remote step. So grab a coffee, a tea, or something stronger, and let's get started. Hallie, welcome to the Remote Life Podcast. How are you today? Thank you. I am doing really well. How are you? Doing good. It's funny. It feels like I've done a week already. It's only Monday and I feel like I've done a whole week already with the amount. Amen. I know. (laughs) It's one of those things. That's how Mondays go. (laughs) Um, All good stuff. All good stuff. Let's dive straight in. Tell us about your remote life journey, about you so far and how it's been for you so far. Yeah, I'll start uh, way back during the pandemic, which is where I'm sure a lot of journeys start. Um, So (laughs) my shift to remote, full remote, was during the pandemic. But this was always something that I was a really big advocate for in all of my previous roles. You know, I, I tried to push teams to work remotely when they needed it. If they wanted like a mental health day or they could do their role remotely and just wanted a day where they didn't have meetings, um, I, I did try to advocate for remote work at previous roles. And so um, I was at the time working <laughs> in the ed tech industry when the pandemic hit. And as you can imagine, this was, this was a really, um, had a big effect on the industry. And so I was a big part of our response to supporting that as a tech company. And during this time, I was also the president of a nonprofit called AMA PDX, which stood for the American Marketing Association in Portland, Oregon. And um, a big part of what we did was bring together the marketing community for in-person events, networking events, and professional development. And um, also, as you can imagine, we had to drastically shift our strategy to support a remote community um, in addition to networking. And this also affected the way that our board of directors came together and networked, brainstormed, and planned out the rest of the year. And this is really like right in the middle of our board year. Wow. So... Uh, at this point, you know, I was looking at remote work, thinking about, wow, this is going to be huge for everyone. This is going to impact everyone's life. And that was the point when I shifted my career to working um, in community management full-time at remote. And I know that's confusing for those of you listening, but when I say remote, that is going to be remote.com, where I currently work as a manager of community. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to fully work for a company that supported remote work access in both culture and long-term vision for the company. So um, during this time, again, now I started to align my career aspirations uh, more now with my lifestyle. And my husband and I last year decided to make the move from Portland, Oregon to Spokane Valley, Washington. And we did this to be closer to our family and to find a spot that better suited our love for the outdoors. There's a ton of lakes over here. We love to boat. We love to be outside. And then also starting a family, you know, we just have more space out here. And um, yeah, it was just more aligned with our lifestyle. And then in addition, both my husband and I work, you know, full-time remote. So we're able to travel remotely. Um, we, we just love the flexibility that remote work offers us. And so we can work, we can travel, we can live our life and have really great work-life balance. That is the ultimate dream. Absolutely. I think, well, for a lot of us who decide to go remote, it's that finding like work-life balance that has just become so important as well. Do you think that, just out of interest, do you think that the pandemic has 
kind of made people decide they want to be closer to family? Do you think that's a big factor for people? It is absolutely a big factor. And at Remote, we just published uh, the Remote Workforce Report, where we actually surveyed a ton of different participants, remote workers and leaders around the world. And one of the contributing factors for why people are staying in their jobs um, was to be closer to family, to move, to have access to remote work. And I think that that's something that was a lot harder previously. And there's also new data that people have that are in younger generations, right? So people maybe in their 30s um, and 40s now have to take care of family members Mm -hmm. um, like their parents because they're a lot older. And the shift also, you know, in having to actually take care of family members and support them in addition to the ability to work remotely, I think now people are just moving, right? They're moving out of the big cities. They're moving to more rural areas, to have better access. So yeah, absolutely. I think that's a huge factor. Honestly, it's funny about cities and things. I feel like I could, it's just like a whole other topic and like how the pandemic has drastically changed how cities are designed, how they are owned. Like that's such, that's like a whole other conversation that I could like so go into yeah. and I found so fascinating just in terms of social space, but maybe a conversation for another day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one I'm super passionate about too. So yeah, that's a, whole nother conversation, but worthwhile one. Awesome. So you mentioned remote and in brackets, we'll say remote.com. Tell us more about your role and kind of what it involves. Yeah. So first off, remote makes it easy for companies to hire and pay people living anywhere in the world. So we take care of payroll, benefits, compliance, taxes, stock options, relocation, and much more for international employees and contractors. And I work as a manager of community where currently we manage social media. All of our social media, you can find us uh, online and all the social major social media channels. And then also uh, manage our customer advocacy. So our customers are also a big part of our community there. And down the line, we hope to be implementing an online community where we can bring remote workers and leaders together in a forum style, networking um, style community. More to come on that, probably like a 2024 goal, but that's currently what I do. And I've been there for, gosh, almost two and a half years. And in that time, we've really grown. I think I was employee number 95. And within the first year, at the end of my first year, we had grown to over 1,000 employees. So you can imagine the change, right? Like the change in job duties, the change in processes that remote and leadership really had to implement to support that type of growth. But yeah, I was part of all of that, saw, saw all of that and have a lot of learnings to share, a lot of learnings to share from that as well. So I, my eyes kind of went a bit wide when you said a thousand in one year, like that's insane. So And of course, like we are seeing a big boom, I guess, in a lot of remote first tech companies at the moment. Well, not largely, but a significant increase in these companies because of the pandemic. Do you have any advice for either founders or for people who are working in these kind of companies about like managing, I guess, maybe well-being in a scaling startup? Because I know it's something that I've even pre-pandemic had to learn for myself and it's not a scenario for everybody. So is there anything you would either advise to founders or to fellow employees in that situation who have just got to kind of roll with the punches of a very fast scaling company? 
Yeah, I think that you have to be deliberate as a leader in baking that into the culture from day one. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can re- retroactively add, you know, once you're like, oh no, we're at 500 employees and everyone is getting stressed out and, you know, we need processes, right? That's, that's not the way to do it. I think our founders and our head of people at the time, they were really deliberate in setting up remote and the culture for that growth, mm-hmm. right? They foresaw that. They had structure in place. They had processes. And something that I really love that we do is we do um, quarterly self-care days and the people team will schedule them. They'll be like, hey, you know, this year, here are the dates. You can take it on that date or take it within a week of that date. Just take the day off, take time for yourself. And it goes a long way, I think, having that because it's like, hey, you know, once a quarter, like that's a, that's, I think a really nice way to just say, thank you for everything that you're doing. Go take the day off and recharge. And then in addition to that, you know, I know companies that work remotely, some of them might not be global, right? They might have it be a remote company that works say just in the U S. And so you might have a very set schedule, right? You might have to be on for certain hours, but there are also roles where, you know, you might not have to be on answering, let's say customer replies for certain hours of the day. Maybe you're in a role like me in marketing where you can do your job remotely anywhere in the world. It doesn't matter what time, as long as you're getting your work done. And so if you're a company that can support that type of culture, allowing your employees to work on and off as let's say they're more productive. Like for me, I'm really productive in the morning. And then around 2 PM, my brain just stops working. It really does. It stops working. And so I have to come back, like take a little break, do my workout and come back and finish up my day later. But I have that flexibility and remote and leadership trusts me that I will do my job and the hours that work for me. And so I think working those things into your culture really help with work-life balance and help with mental health among all of your employees. And it also helps foster trust. So just think of those ways. There's a lot of really great resources out there um, for leadership to enact these type of processes if you're starting a remote company. Resources come to mind when you say that. <laughs> um, our blog, you can find us remote.com slash blog. We do, we've written a lot about it. Um, I also know that Jane Morris, uh, you can find her on LinkedIn. She has a lot of great mental health resources. Bravely is another um, company that solely focuses on this. But yeah, there's just, there's a lot of great companies out there who can help, you know, even with consulting, right? They can come on your, with your leadership team and give you advice and help set this up. But the other thing is, you know, make sure that this is baked into your people strategy initially, right? That's the number one recommendation I'm going to have is don't wait, don't wait to enact it down the line. So I agree. The worst thing is when it's too late for something to be implemented, and yeah, I think that's such a big deal. That and trust yeah. are probably two of the most underrated things when it comes to online teams and remote teams in general. Yeah, being able to impart that trust, but also impart the feeling of trust in your team too. Not just like, I'm a trusting leader, but also in, yeah, empower your employees to feel trusted is, is huge for sure. Yeah. yeah. But touching upon culture and so kind of in my mind, therefore, community kind of falls under culture why do you think that community is and having that kind of feeling of community is so important as a remote worker and digital nomad yeah so people who work remotely and at least for me we really miss the ability to meet people in person I know I do it's something that I have to be really intentional about especially being somebody who moved to a new place without knowing anyone here. Like that is a whole new level of, man, I really need those in-person connections. I need to have that. 
And it's not something that remote work can easily facilitate. It's something that a lot of remote companies, global companies don't have an easy answer for, for team building, right? Like when everyone's dispersed all, all over, how do you really find time for meaningful connections and community, even within your own company when everyone, yeah, is in different time zones and, you know, it's just another Zoom call, right? How do you do that? And so um, community, I think, is really important in a variety of ways. Number one is that if you're a remote worker or a digital nomad, you can find specific community groups dedicated to what you do in your role. So there are just so many different groups, Slack channels, online forums, online groups, meetups, et cetera, where you can just go out and connect with other industry professionals. I'm in community management. There are community groups like Community Hacked that I can go into and meet other community professionals, network with them. And I've actually met a ton of different people through one-to-one networking and matching. Like Meetsy is another great tool, uh, but a lot of these different networking groups and communities. And then eventually, like I've met up with a few of them in person. When I go travel places, I'm like, oh, I remember you work in, let's say Mexico. I'm going to Mexico. I want recommendations. Like, let's get lunch, right? So you can still build like those in-person relationships. I think once you do kind of plug yourself into these communities. And then um, another thing I would say is that online communities can be a great way to have access to this global mindshare where, you know, now you're able to meet people around the world and have access to their insight, right? To their brainstorming. And I think that's something that's super critical in today's world. If you want to stay up to date on the way things are changing in your industry, you want to meet people in a global environment, join an online community. So many of them are free. It's really important. And then as a digital nomad, I would say that it also opens up a whole network of individuals and relationships that can be strengthened more in person because you are traveling more And they probably have a ton of different tips based on wherever you're going. So you can use them as a really great resource. And then, of course, share your learnings with that community, with that group once you do travel. I did this when I I went to Costa Rica and worked remotely when um, we were looking at our wedding venue initially, you know, and I, I went, did the same thing in Helsinki, Finland last year, worked from Hawaii, you know, and I'm looking for those co working spaces to meet new people in person. To, and also, of course, to provide a dedicated space for my work. But I've met so many people just doing it that way. So true. And what I love about um, obviously the digital nomad community is that kind of like, you know, you're not going to meet up at another like coffee shop necessarily about, oh, see you at the next destination. And like, before you know it, like you've just casually been to like four or five different destinations with like different people without even realizing it. Like, oh, yeah, no, just pop down the road to like another country, you know, <laughs> it's it's quite fun like hey I'm in town like let's catch up and you're just like yeah and that's another country ticked off the list like yeah it's like oh I'm going to you know Australia I know people there now I can go pop down and see them you know and get their recommendations it's really cool like it's a really really cool thing that I think now we're kind of the first wave of people that have ever had access to this before right like this is something we should not take for granted and travel I read somewhere that statistically people in our generation are now spending more on experiences and travel than um, they're spending the majority of their expended, like the money that they have to spend, right? They're spending more of that money now than any other generation previously, whereas the shift in previous generations was always assets, right? I'm going to buy things physically. And so it's really cool seeing that because now people can have experiences and really live the life that they want and see the things that they want to see. Again, that is that is the dream. That is the like what we're after, right? You mentioned just to go back. You mentioned 
co-working like are you more of a co-working or cafes at home kind of person what's your vibe what's your usual go-to well, normally I work for my home base here in uh, Spokane Valley. So this is where I spend the majority of my time in my office that I am trying to make look as pretty as I can because I look at it all the time. <laughs> but when I do, you know, I mentioned my husband and I love to travel. And so when we do travel and work remotely, I always try to find a co-working space that's local because number one, remote, <laughs> when I say remote, remote.com offers us um, a co-working budget. Another great recommendation for companies looking to go remotely and um, I use that co-working budget to, again, have a dedicated space and separate, even though it's not my home, separate my fun from my workspace. Mm. I think that's super important. But I've tried coffee shops too here. I In Spokane Valley specifically, there isn't... I know that there are remote workers here, but there isn't an actual community of remote workers established. So I started a Facebook page and a group and started networking with my friends who I know have flexible jobs. And my goal was to work remotely from a cafe once a month. And so I did that last month and um, met up with a friend and it was really fun, you know, but you have to make sure you can find cafes that have number one, Wi-Fi, or you, if you hot, can hotspot off your phone, number two, plugins, right? Number three will allow you to even stay there. Like there's all these little things that you have to call ahead, you know, and, and do a little bit of research, but yeah, slowly but surely I'll find them. That is the thing is that the checklist is a uh, strong Wi-Fi, good coffee and yeah, good because I know this, it's different everywhere you go. Like I was quite surprised here in Cascais in Portugal people are generally like on their laptops even on Sundays and whatnot whereas if you go to like Spain for example many places will say no laptops on the weekend or you know you stay in your place and I've been in places like Madrid where I by chance had my laptop with me in a cafe on Sunday and I've been given the daggers like shooting daggers out their eyes at me for it I wasn't even doing an actual like paid work for myself at the time I was just doing a blog oh my god like it was like I interrupted a really sacred like brunch space at that point (laughs) so you have to be careful like it's not something that you know is as easy as just bring your laptop you're good to go there are places now like I went to um when I went to Hawaii in Oahu and I woke up at 5 30 and started my quest walking around to all the coffee shops that were open including Starbucks and not one of them would allow me to work remotely from there. Not one of them had either plugins or Wi-Fi. Like those two, they limited so that people wouldn't work remotely, which is why I ended up getting a co-working space there. So I'll get into this later, but before you go and just assume that you can work remotely from like cafes and places like that, do your research. And if not, you might have to look for a co-working space or make sure that you're staying somewhere that has a dedicated workspace. Staying or staying somewhere that, yeah, has good Wi-Fi because that's the other thing that people forget is that just because it's an Airbnb doesn't mean that the Wi-Fi is actually good for what you need to work. Um, like, I, yeah. Pardon? Look at the reviews. Yeah. Look at the reviews. <laughs> Absolutely. But that leads very nicely into my next question, which do you think there's anything that people need to know about being a digital nomad or remote worker that isn't talked about as much. Absolutely. And I'm going to say that being a digital nomad, it's trending, right? It's something that sounds super fun. And wow, like what a life. That's a life we should all strive for. Um, But I'm going to say that it does take a lot of prep time and organization, and it's not as easy as it seems. I don't classify myself as a digital nomad by any means, but I do know a lot of digital nomads. I've talked to them about this. 
And you would imagine, you cannot imagine the amount of time that they truly spend mapping out, okay, this is my next trip. This is where I'm going to go. This is what I need to take. These are all the things that I need to research, right? It takes Mm -hmm. a lot of work. And so my recommendation is if you really want to get into this lifestyle, you know, I would take a handful of short-term trips where you are working remotely and try it out before committing yourself to that lifestyle. Cause it, it isn't just, you know, let's open up my laptop at the beach and just, you know, go to yeah. some fancy beach in Costa Rica and just hang out. Like it's not that easy, you know? So make sure you do your research and try some practice trips first. <laughs> it's funny. Like, it's, uh, there's definitely this joke. So it, it came in a talk that I did recently, but also we were talking about it like at a conference last year, how when you search on Google, on Canva, on any of these like kind of platforms, the term digital nomad, the first image that pops up is a guy on his back, leaning on his backpack with his laptop on the beach and I think him like with one exception ever and that was in Cyprus right a couple of weeks ago I have never been able to get good wi-fi or wi-fi at all on the beach that is just not a thing so where this like image of that has come from is baffling to me and I guess having worked in like the content creation and influence marketing industry there was a, a blogger who put what was obviously resonated quite well for bloggers but then I'd say also for digital nomads and remote workers if that is that if we can make our life look easy, then we've done our job because it's not that. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not. It really is not. And, you know, especially if you're somebody who has two screens, I have a huge screen that I'm always connected to in addition to my laptop. And so getting used to just working from a laptop screen is a challenge <laughs> if you have a setup like I do. But yeah, it's really, I think, dependent on your lifestyle, dependent on where you are, you know, your stage in your life, right? Like there's a lot that goes into it, but there are a lot of really awesome people who do it and love it, you know, so not that it can't be done. It, you know, it definitely can. (laughs) Worth the effort, but requires effort. I think is the best way. Also, and I, I definitely appreciate you also mentioning that not all digital nomads or not all remote workers, sorry, are digital nomads because it's not something that everybody necessarily wants to aspire to. And we all have different reasons for being remote workers first, I would say. Yep, exactly. 100% agree. To switch things up a little bit, talk to us about The Everyday Company. So I'm one of the co-founders of The Everyday Company. We're an early stage SaaS startup. And I currently lead marketing operations and customer success. And so right now we're on a mission to uncomplicate work life for the knowledge economy. And we're building a platform to streamline the process of turning an idea into reality while removing tedious tasks so that creators can focus on bringing their visions to life. So with every day, there are limitless possibilities and more time to experience a better way of working. And what we're really trying to do is to summarize it for people who work remotely or just work, right? You have so many tabs open. You have so many apps open. There's Notion, there's Slack, there's Figma and Asana and just email and all of these different ways of communicating. And we're really trying to streamline that into one centralized platform so we can give you back the time to do deep work and to focus without switching between all those apps. I mean, in summary, that's what we're building. And you can sign up for our limited preview release at everydaycompany.co. It's .co. And then you can have first access into the view of every day when we launch our access, which should be very soon. It should be this summer, which we're super excited about. But yeah, I've been working on that for a number of years now. And uh, it's really fun to finally see it come to life. Exciting. Yay. 
So when you say creators, who are you primarily targeting? Yeah. So I'm thinking of, you know, anyone who is in the knowledge work industry, creators, especially being kind of a hyper focus of this segment. So if you're somebody who has to take an idea and put it into action, right? You have a big idea, you need to get it down on paper. You need to write a summary about it. Then you need to sign tasks out to your team. You need to whiteboard, sketch it out, present that to somebody. That's who I'm talking about in the creator kind of market. A lot of people who fit into this industry are people who work for marketing agencies, right? Creatives in that aspect, who work on creative teams and different brands and agencies. Or, you know, you could just be somebody who is wanting to plan a wedding, right? Like, and you have a big idea for creative vision and you want to put it into plan, you want to put it to action. So that's what I'm talking about. It's exciting. And just out of curiosity, do you have any advice for people who are starting a product themselves or like, first-time founders or anything like that? Is there anything that you would wish you'd known at all at any point in your journey of creating your product? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's, I would say the first thing is give yourself patience and know that things are going to change. I mean, we shifted our vision so many times. We did. It only comes together once you really start talking to people and start putting your idea out there. You have to be comfortable with criticism and feedback, right? Especially when you're talking to investors, that's a given. But you also have to think about, okay, well, I can't take every single piece of criticism and like totally shift my strategy, right? Because it's all, it's all a recommendation and people have different, like they think differently about things, right? They have different pieces of recommendation that are conflicting to each other. So you really have to cherry pick, pick and choose to what makes sense to what you really want that vision of focus to be for your product. And then thirdly, I would say, stay true to your founder story, right? Think about why you initially went out to solving that need in the market, that whatever that is that you're solving and make sure you're staying true to that in the way that you build that short-term and long-term, because it's really easy to get sidetracked and, you know, completely get off your vision, especially if you take everyone's recommendations into play. (laughs) Too many chefs. <laughs> too many shots in the kitchen, you know. Yeah, stay true to it to what you're you're making in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm gonna use that answer. Uh, that's amazing. I suppose what, what one piece of communication advice would you give to companies starting out in their process? Let's say specifically at this point. Yeah, so if you're a company that's starting, you know, let's say you're a startup that's starting remotely, or you're a company that was hybrid or in person, you're shifting remote work, know that tools will not be your golden ticket to solving for async communication in a remote environment. Rather, they're going to be a supportive measure to enacting your strategy around remote and async communication. So my recommendation to you would be that you need a team or someone dedicated to implementing your strategy as soon as you hit around 50 employees. The earlier, the better. I'm not going to say that you have to wait until 50 employees, but you definitely need something at that point. And it's not easy. You know, global async communication will constantly change with the size of your company and new business needs that arise. I will say that there are a ton of companies doing this well with supportive how-to blogs you can use as a reference. Again, remote.com. We write a lot of blogs around this. We have checklists and our um, our founders are very... They've written a lot about this. So you can check out remote.com on our blog. You can also look at Doist, that's D-O-I-S-T, and GitLab to name a few. But definitely check out those resources. And um, yeah, just... It's a learning process for everyone. Pick the tools that you think make sense. Of course, there's Notion, there's Slack, there's all of those tools that that make AC 
communication happen, all of the things. But one thing I'm going to mention for Notion is, like I mentioned, we were went from 50, 50 to 1,000 people. You can imagine the amount of documentation that we now struggle with mm-hmm. at remote, right? We have so many pages that now we can't find stuff. So it might be a good tool for you at an earlier stage, right? But long-term, you have to think about how quickly am I going to scale? What are going to be the needs of my organization in a year? And am I picking the right tools that will support me for that continued growth? That is such a good point. I mean, so I work in creative project management. So again, for me, I love a system and I love a flow process. Like, oh my gosh. Okay, take Notion. Would you stay on Notion and just make the system more simple or would you go to another tool entirely like what would you say would be best i know that we have looked at other tools but the biggest thing is we're trying to create kind of our internal wiki so we're trying to reorganize the way that we built notion we're trying to add structure to our naming conventions right like there are things that i think you can do early on instead of waiting and having to go back and restructure and delete things and archive things if you just create a process around Notion for like, okay, every team is going to start with this template and organize your hubs in this way and use this naming convention and make sure that you're archiving old pages. You know, it's it's a lot of like training that you need to do. Mm-hmm. And for remote workers too, when people start at their first remote job, they can be really overwhelmed with all of the tools and the documentation and how to, yeah, how to document appropriately. It's It's a skill that needs to be learned. And so I think as a leadership of a remote organization, especially if you're transferring from hybrid and in-person to remote, you're going to have to dedicate a lot of resources to training your team and making sure it's part of onboarding um, to really, yeah, again, facilitate that long-term growth. It's no, no easy way around it. <laughs> Absolutely not. I think it's it almost feels like, like the industry at the moment is all learning together. But at the same time, mm-hmm. so all these like new processes, all of these like kind of mental health uh, tips and ways of managing it for yourself, we're all learning at the same time because this is still quite a fresh, quite a fresh industry, really. I know we've been around, obviously, remote working's been around for what 20, 30 years, but I feel like the actual industry now is actually still quite so young. So it's, it's, it's I suppose, it's good to know that we're kind of all in this together, learning at the same time. Oh yeah, we're all of this <laughs> together. <laughs> we'll just finish that. We'll yeah. finish on that. <laughs> Absolutely, that is amazing. That is the perfect note to say to answer the last question. So, fill in the blank. Home is where. Home is where you experience life to the fullest. Boom! I love it. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to have that song on my head now. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's been amazing to chat. Thank you so, so much. And hey, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Thanks for having me. It was great being here. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Remote Life. And thank you, Hallie, for taking the time to speak with us. You can find links to her profiles below. Thank you so much again for listening. And we can't wait to remote work with you again soon.